Welcome to Survivor Cast International. I'm Cody. I'm Jacqueline, and we are hopping in to episode two Surviving Maine. And it's a very special episode, Jacqueline. The best episode. We have our first two guests ever on the podcast. It is insane that in the last month we have people not only listening, but wanting to come talk with us about pod, about Survivor. <laughs> we're going to give you a little inside baseball. We recorded this before the live stream that we were on with Live Reality Games. Find them on Facebook. Find them on YouTube. Live Reality Games at Live Reality Game on Twitter. Uh, Kirk from Live Reality Games is on the podcast today as a guest. And then we also have the creator of Surviving Maine. Liza. Liza Stratton. I am a uh, huge not just the creator, but also the host. Yes. So the Jeff of the season is spending time with us. Not just the Jeff, but El Jefe, the boss of this season. Ooh. That's right. I've been doing some Duolingo. I know what's up. <laughs> um, we just want to say we are so grateful for Liza and Kurt. Kirk. Kurt. <laughs> Kirk. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, if I didn't flub this, it wouldn't be in true style of me, right? You've listened to the podcast, you know. If we didn't mess up on names, I mean, yes. who would we be? We're just very grateful for both of you, whatever your names may be. Okay. <laughs> I know your names. We're very grateful you came on the podcast, that you've been collaborating with us. We think it was a very fun episode to have you on. Will be a very fun episode to have you on. Is the most exciting. Yes. So with that. Here is episode two, Surviving Maine. Let's welcome our guests. Hey, how are you guys? Hey, Kirk. Kirk. How's it going? <laughs> Hi, Liza. Hi. Hi. Thank you for coming on. We... Oh, for sure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know if we want to focus on the episode itself or just talk... I know and, you have lots of questions just about kind of behind the scene things. I don't know how behind the scenes you're willing to go or um, if you want to just talk about what happened specifically on the episode. Yeah, I'm totally willing to go behind the scenes. Or we like to call it beyond the torch right. is my phrasing for that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were curious just how you guys both got involved in doing the live reality games and being on British Columbia or the other seasons you've been on, Kirk, or hosting? Do you want me to start? Oh, uh, yeah, go for it. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> we're yeah, still, so, no, we're, um, we're not used to having guests. Well, I first started in college, like so many of these guys that play, co play College Survivor, and it was a group of friends. I still remember when Richard Hatch won. I think it was my sophomore year in college. Okay. And we were all sitting there just freaking out that Kelly Wigglesworth did not win. And so everybody <laughs> became obsessed with this game, and we were a group just like so many that wanted to recreate it, and we'd go camping every single year for Memorial Weekend. So, uh, you know, post-college, these trips started to dwindle in numbers, and one day we were just sitting there, and we decided to have a fire-making challenge. We decided to call it, like, our Survivor Fire-Making Challenge, and literally my Survivor journey starts at that stupid thing we did years and years ago, <laughs> five of us around a fire. And so I started as a player. I ended up becoming a host for the same series. So I won the first season. And what 
it was this was 2007, and so I won that game, which doesn't shouldn't even count as a win because everybody knew each other. It's it was like playing with a group of friends from high school, right? <laughs> which are some of these games that we watch now, and um, the it wasn't it wasn't a win. The whole thing was you had to come back and host the next year. So oh. trust me, that was not a win. As Liza can attest, this was more work than I ever expected. <laughs> oh, I bet. And I. I fell in love with it, absolutely, because it was just giving Survivor players the dream of their lifetime. And and when I got to experience it, see other people experience it, it's just, you can't explain it. It's something, once you go through it, everybody has a similar story. They make friends for life, even though they were voted out by this person. People fall in love. They, they get married from these games. They have lifelong relationships, which you would not expect in a game, which is about cutting those relationships off at some point. And from there, I was in a few different seasons. I played Survivor BC, which you guys watched, and that just ended. So anybody who's listening, go check that out. That's Jaira Batulin's series, and that one just, just finished up. And we started live reality games on Facebook and YouTube um, about five years ago, just as a small group. And then we sort of, sort of relaunched about half a year ago to really focus on analyzing pretty much what we're doing here is analyzing the strategy of these at-home games that are just as riveting as the real show. Yeah, absolutely. Liza, how did you get involved in hosting uh, Maine? Um, so mine was definitely a little later in life than Kirk's. Um, <laughs> a little later in, in Survivor, too. Um, I started really becoming a super fan for Korong. Uh, nope, not Korong. Uh, um, what's the season with Dan Foley? Anybody know? Oh, oh. Uh, terrible at. Come on, Kirk. <laughs> it's right there. Heroes. Healers and. No, it's blue no. collar, white collar. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Worlds apart. Well, okay. There you go. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my mom and I just decided that we were going to start watching because Dan Foley is from Maine. Um, so that kind of got us back into it. We had watched when I was much younger, um, but not as religiously. And then I just got hooked and was obsessed and like we all are. Um, and then it turns out that I was, I was 20 at the point and I was having my 21st birthday soon. Um, so we planned a 21st birthday that was survivor themed. So we basically ran a live reality games for me and my friends and family. Um, and my dad's cousin knew Dan Foley. Okay. Um, so she invited him and brought him and he was, a, he was the first survivor I ever met as an adult. Um, so got talking with him about, you know, applying. I had been applying for a few years and um, then he told me about, about the Durham Warriors Survival Challenge, um, which is a, a live reality game that used to take place in Durham, Maine. Um, they now moved to Illinois and they're the Survival Challenge. Um, but as soon as he told me I had to apply uh, and then kind of got thrown into it there. And from that point, that's kind of when I realized that the survivor community is so huge. Yes. And you don't realize <laughs> it unless you're in it. Um, and once I was done in that game, I just knew that I needed to keep doing it. Um, so that the next day I talked to my mom and I was like, we have to do this. We have to put this together. Um, and then we started making plans. And then it turned out that uh, Durham Warriors moved to Illinois um we were gonna do it but anyways but um yeah so i've been playing in games and and building surviving main ever since awesome and so yeah. 
right now we're watching season two of Surviving Maine. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then other is season three already in the works or filmed or not yet because of COVID? Yeah, it hasn't filmed yet because of COVID. Yeah. Um, we were hoping that this May we were going to get to do it, um, but it's not looking like that either. So hopefully, maybe in the fall, um, if not next year. Awesome. Now, Cody was not a huge Survivor fan before I roped him into no. doing this with me. Kind of a begrudge, like 50-50, <laughs> she'd have to pull my leg to get me watching. I do enjoy it, but not as often as she would watch it. But then once we discovered that there were fan-made Survivors that took on this whole well i mean initially it was figuring out that there are international internet non-american <laughs> versions i was on winter break i've had a i broke my leg at school a year ago and i've had two surgeries and have been recovering and not walking for basically a year so over winter break i he wouldn't re-watch any seasons with me <laughs> so that's when i found out there was international seasons and then we just discovered this entire whole universe of international and fan-made survivor that completely changed how we interacted with survivor and i think drew him in as oh, yeah. a fan yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> so i think getting into episode two of surviving maine um oh and liza have you ever played a live reality game or only hosted well beyond the oh, oh beside the like uh, an official one beside an... or uh i like... played um Durham Warriors. Durham Warriors. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes. You. Survivor Scotland. I've played Survivor New York, Survivor okay. Brooklyn South. Um, and in the fall of 2019, I played in a game in South Africa. Oh, wow. Called the Battle of the Bush. Um, that's where I met the Survivor South Africa players that I was telling you about. Awesome. So. In fact, I saw Liza play in the original. Well, your first. I mean, it's so funny. You know, Liza, you've played all over kind of the world now. And <laughs> yeah. I was saw you in Maine. I was watching on a Facebook live feed, watching the tribal councils and these grainy challenges. It was so hard to see the service <laughs> so weak, but they get us to the tribal council. And I gotta I gotta say this because it really sticks out when I personally think of Liza because I, I can't remember if it was the it was the penultimate round for you where you got voted out, but I remember you getting off of your off of your seats, walking over to other people, whispering in their ears. And I just remember at this time in Survivor, this was just something players didn't really do very often yet. Okay. And it really, it stuck out to me as like, who is she? I want to know who that is. Why can't I get invited to Durham Warriors? <laughs> right, the boldness just drew you in. So with so much Survivor experience, has there been applications for like, CBS Survivor? Is that something you're chasing? Oh, yeah. Big nod. Okay, okay. love it. I traveled to apply to, to different casting calls. Um, I went to Florida for a casting call, Pennsylvania a couple times, um, and then countless videos, too. So Now seeing you host, but not having seen you play, I feel like that needs to become the next step so we can get to know you as a player. Because <laughs> I feel like Knowing someone as a player adds such a layer into knowing them as a host. Yes. And so I'm really excited now yeah. to dive into into what else you've been into. Well, and watching uh, Kirk on British Columbia <laughs> with uh, Jack and... Um, Chastin, not well, Chastin. The other hosts. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would love to see a live reality games of all different hosts. Just the, just host. the host playing. 
do it. Yes. <laughs> that would be intense. It would sure. be. Yeah. Uh, it would. I especially it's been interesting watching how people express the differences between being the overseer as the host and being so deep into it as a player. And some some people struggle with that with that contrast of like, I really enjoy hosting or I've really enjoyed playing. And then that swap of it is just so hard to like grasp or like figure out how what kind of player you want to be, because there's so many different routes you can take as a player that will make people love you because they hate you or make people love you because they love you. And it's just really fun to see where people take that. So I'm really excited to watch some of your work. <laughs> okay. So yeah, episode two, I think uh, I was really struck by the Brandon Jazzy relationship building in this episode and how it has to happen in such a condensed time frame, just because they don't have 30 plus days out there. And I just wanted like Kirk, your experience playing and what's that like, or you Liza, just, uh, the live reality games this condensed time frame you have to work under i would love to to run on this because and i'd love to hear liza's opinion too because i think those campfire alliances can sometimes be deadly <laughs> i've seen them happen before i've been in them they have the potential i mean just think about it they had so many hours to talk and the question is, how much of that conversation turned to strategy? And that's right. what I wish there was like a little GoPro that could have caught just a glimpse of what those conversations were. But I would say, you know, there's there's a flip side to it because Brandon just loves Jazzy to death. Yes. But Jazzy seemed to have slightly <laughs> different perspective after spending a night with him. So I don't know where that's going to go. I mean, so many of us have that opinion after spending a night with a man, but <laughs> I, I can see I can see that hesitation for Jazzy. Yeah, I mean, Brandon is all in and Jazzy still, I don't totally trust him yet. I'm a little iffy. So where do you take that, Liza, as far as building a relationship in a condensed amount of time? How do you know if you can really trust somebody? How much does, like, previous knowledge of people playing or previous knowledge of like i i know that in maine people are really pointing or like i think it was michael that they're really going after here yeah. um because of his previous experience and how much that plays a role in how how players can navigate yeah i think it plays a huge a huge role um and i know that it has for me in games that i've played um in, in survivor brooklyn south the host um, sent an email to the whole cast, but didn't hide their emails. Oh. Um, so I was then able to, to like look them up and get to know them beforehand. Um, and I'm assuming other people did it too, but I don't know for sure. Um, so I definitely know that those like, like the pre, the, the, the like relationships pre -gaming and, the game Yeah, happened. totally. Um, especially in the case where you get to know what their names are and things like that. Um, but not, I think too, it's also the case in um, situations where there's people who have played in other games before. Um, so like I know Cameron because we played in a game before. Um, so then to see those same people in different games, you definitely get to know their reputation, um, which is also hard for me as a host now that when I play, people take that in a threatening way, um, which I disagree with, but... <laughs> Um, so yeah, those, those pre-existing relationships 
definitely come into it. Um, and the the need to build relationships and make decisions quickly is unbelievably challenging. And I don't think you understand it unless you're in that situation. Um, when I was playing in Durham, which was Kirk was talking about, um, the vote before I got voted out, um, I had 10 seconds to make a choice about what I was going to vote. And I um, was able to flip on the alliance that I was with to vote them out because they were in control. Uh, um, but I was the only one flipping to the other side. Um, and then the next round they used an advantage to vote me out. Um, but it's, it was literally like while we were walking to tribal council, I looked at Austin, um, and I said, who are you voting for? Hmm. Um, and they told me, and that's the name I put down and I had been planning on making a move, but it really, really, they took that split second decision, um, to make that. So I am envious of the fact that they had the opportunity to, to spend that whole night together hmm. and make that relationship then. Yeah, for sure. One question that I had coming up is we see a lot of these repeat players or players that have a reputation. Do you think that it's, I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but how, how likely is it for a player to be able to change the reputation that they enter a game with if they're a known player or is that kind of like they shoo, like shoot themselves into a particular like villain or, you know, helper or, Right, does that carry role. over, or is it is it is there an easy rasa? way to break that? Yeah, clean slate each season, or do you see just kind of people stuck? I I think it carries over. I think my reputation carries over into games. They've said that to me before, but I think you have the possibility to change your reputation, but you have to do it right at the start. And it's kind of like what Liza was saying. Like, there's not a lot of time in these LRGs. It doesn't matter matter what whether it's survival challenge and you have ten seconds, literally. Or it's this experience where maybe you have 10 minutes or an actual hour to talk. But regardless, this isn't three days. Mm -hmm. So you have to talk strategy kind of quicker than you normally would with a person. It's like, hi, what's your favorite food? Nice shoes. Who are we voting out tonight? <laughs> and I think you have to balance it as well with not playing too hard. Because the person yes. who talks too much, round one, can sometimes be that easy boot. So I... I still don't know what the perfect marriage is between that, but it's it's somewhere between not talking too much, but definitely talking enough. Unless you're Forrest, and then you can say whatever you want, and people are just going to yes, keep hanging out with you. Yes, you just let loose. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I'm kind of speaking on that, I know um, Michael blows the cover of... Are I, you, like, hopping in? We've been, we've been you know, <laughs> circling know been this circling. whole time a little bit. <laughs> um, someone... Uh, Michael and someone else, I don't have the name written down, of course. Uh, previous players, they uh, Michael blows her cover. How do you feel about Katie. people trying to come right. into the game and keeping it on the down low that they are existing players? And how successful is that even ever? I think in this situation, it could have been very successful for Katie. Yeah. Um, just on the fact that almost everybody in the season um, was new to the LRG community and hadn't ever heard of this thing that we do. Um, but I think in cases where like, like in the one day games and the quick games where they're all people from the LRG community, I think it's impossible to hide that. And I think you're better off um, saying, yeah, this is what happened. This is how I played. This is how I got voted out. Totally. Um, but I think in this case, Katie definitely could have kept it a secret if, if Michael didn't spoil it. Do you, so 
how do you, as a player and as a host, what's more fun for you? Having people who know the game, who are in it, who have done it, who have experienced it, or people who this is brand new to, or do you like having that mix? What's what's fun, both as a player and as a host? You go first, Connor. Yeah, we, we should probably <laughs> ask more directed I questions here. <laughs> I think it's a mix. A mixed bag makes the best. Okay. I mean, yeah. as much as, like, I feel like if I say, just pick the strategist, just pick the players, because they're the ones that are going to play the game, I still, as a watcher, love to see somebody figure out the game. Mm. And I'll tell you, one of your biggest assets, if you are a big strategy player, is having that person you could teach the game to. That is one of the best alliances you could possibly make. So I don't know. I think it's a it's a mixed bag because if you get stuck with the whole cast of, of newbies, sometimes a, a season can kind of fizzle out in a way. So yeah. it, it depends. Thanks. Totally. Yeah, I think um, for me, definitely, as a host, a mixed bag is the best um, because I get to see the players that I've played with play. Like, I got to watch Cameron play, which was really fun from a different perspective. Um, but then also, I really like to kind of bring the new people into the community, um, which maybe sounds a little, like, crazy, like, culty. But, um, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I like being able to give them the opportunity that I had in Durham um, to really jump in and try this thing that they've never tried before. Um, and another reason why I like to have returning players is that I find that Surviving Main is very different from other live reality games mm -hmm. in terms of the fact that we have that time and we're outside and um, so I like to surprise them a little, right? Like Cameron came in saying that it was Carnival Games. Yep. Um, and then <laughs> it wasn't. Not at all. I mean, some of them, but yeah. But I mean, like even the challenge on this episode, it, it's pretty intense. The giant oh uh, my goodness, like, ball yeah. maze looks so tough. I mean, maybe equal to challenges on CBS Survivor. Oh, I mean, having been like we've been watching the first season of South Africa, and so that's a while ago, and just the simplicity of a lot of the challenges there. Yeah, very equivalent to like, I mean, you don't have. A million dollars to put on a season <laughs> presumably so <laughs> so the amount that you're able to make it challenging make it engaging make it something that's like super fun to watch and wanting people like Co cody's like i want to do this oh yeah <laughs> i want to be doing this absolutely so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you're a watcher and you see that this is being created just by fans of the show with like very little backing it's just amazing to see what you're able to produce Thank so you. does i really need to know if sarah ever finds out who the snorers are that's been <sighs> bugging me <laughs> ever since i really hope that she was able to just discover that so looking at the blue tribe uh i know you mentioned that you've played with cameron before that it's really fun to see him playing and interacting do you think that um are there interactions between like host and production and players that like are, <laughs> I'm clearly figuring out how to phrase this. Um, like, are there nods to previous challenges? Do you try to really stray away from anything that you know that he, players that you've known have done before? 
Um, what's that? What's that interaction like? Um, I have all the challenges planned and half made before I pick the cast. Cool. Okay. Cool. Um, so I never really know who's coming into it at that point. Uh, um, but I do definitely take inspiration from other games that I've seen and played in, uh, um, especially around format. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> and so a lot of talk this episode about idols. Um, Blue Tribe is like pointing fingers at Jazzy and Sarah being like, they've been looking for it, so we should keep an eye on them. Um, which I feel like everyone at some point is searching for this an idol. And so just how tricky are you able to get away with it? Where this, you know, the Red Tribe is just insane. And it's just sitting out <laughs> in the middle of nowhere or in the middle of their um, tribe. So, and I know you had a question for Kirk regarding idols and how much information you share with people versus how much oh, information yes, you yes, keep yes. for yourself. And how do you know who to trust with that information? Does it ever come back to bite you? Which clearly it does. Um, so <laughs> as a host, um, how do you feel like that group idol work comes in, Liza? And then we'll kick it to Kirk and just thinking about when to tell people, who to tell, kind of that way around at idol work. Yeah, I think the, the tribe idol thing for me was really frustrating. Um, just because as a host, like you, you make these plans and you just want them to like be a, a big deal. Check here. I don't remember. Right, and then okay. Jasmine oh. gave it to someone who wasn't Michael, right? Yeah. Justin. That, of course, I, you know. Why you is got it, it down. <laughs> <laughs> you were there in real time. <laughs> so yeah, and then it eventually made its way to Michael, right? And then like they're like, okay, well, we all know that we have it, so let's take it up and make whoever takes it the target. All bad moves. Like if I was playing the game with them, this would be all bad moves, and I would be so so stoked. I'd be like, "Oh my god, two bad moves are displayed." Um, you have to have a reason to like share that clue with everybody, and I think maybe he did. Like there was some concern that people saw it. Mm -hmm. So at that point, yes, this Michael made the correct move, and I I even I know Michael. I played against him in Survivor, so. So I have a little past, and I messaged him and said that was the right decision. I think if enough people saw it, you totally, totally made the right move, bud. Um, 
But then Jasmine finding it, I don't think there was any reason for her to share that necessarily. And clearly we see in this episode, um, that thing could have, she could have pretended that was a cigarette. She could have been like, she's smoking that fake immunity, <laughs> that, that immunity idol, you know? So, but Jasmine did point out, not Jazzy, but Jasmine was like, I've been like two days without a cigarette and is going, I'm assuming that you don't let them smoke when they're in production. Which I was going to ask as a player, as a host, what, I mean, I feel like I would just be a terrible tribe mate without coffee every morning. I would be useless in challenges. What, (laughs) what luxuries, what things, cigarettes, coffee, what do you miss hosting or playing out there the most? We totally interrupted you, Kirk. I'm sorry. Oh gosh, you're right. I know what I always, what I miss the most is something bubbly. Mm. I don't care if it's plain water. If the water had bubbles in it, I could literally get by another hour of any Survivor game. But plain water just bothers me so much. And it's like, <laughs> after Survivor's done, I never want to drink water. Or <laughs> you could, uh, you know, makeshift a stick and make your own bubbles or like employ a friend <laughs> to blow while you, yeah. Uh, not go, okay. <laughs> that was. <laughs> out of the water and just like constantly yes. blow bubbles into the water to aerate it there you and go i'll just i'll, I'll be a pop <laughs> factory or soda depending on which jurisdiction you're from strategies. <laughs> i'll make soda for everybody or someone said soda pop i think in um, a recent yes. episode and yeah <laughs> yeah that won't make you the weird guy who gets voted off right away or anything like that so. <laughs> <laughs> will you come blow in my water please <laughs> So what do you miss? What do you miss as a as a as a competitor, um, as a host? Is there anything that you particularly consume right in front of them to really hammer home that they are in Survivor and you are just doing whatever you want? Constantly, I'm never, I'm never like not eating something in front of them. Yes, um, and I encourage because we have a lot of people there watching and hanging out and helping. Um, and them too, like, you know, my mom usually cooks lunch and meals for them on the barbecue grill. So we're just walking around, you know, the people are sitting behind travel council watching, eating burgers. And, um, so we're not hiding it by any means. Um, and I definitely think that as a player in, in Durham, uh, um, that was the longest game I played. The food was definitely the struggle for me. Um, I think I, from the beginning of the game, I went to like day three without eating a sandwich single thing um the only thing that i had eaten is that somebody on production dropped a thing of pretzels on the ground so we all <laughs> took one and it was like this muddy pretzel um so other than that I, I didn't eat anything that whole time um and during the challenge you don't even know right it's like you had been eating full meals but then as soon as the challenge ends and you're just like talking and strategizing your stomach just like hurts so bad and you're so hungry but then once something happens again, you forget about it. So luckily we don't have the three days between challenges and tribals. Right. Yeah. And I've different, it seems like different iterations are allowing different consumptions. So how did, what do you, I noticed in that first challenge from episode one they got a skillet with some food in it like what do you provide what do you like do they have a bag of rice and some water to get them through the three days if they don't get any food what what do you do for Maine um yeah um so as far as like food goes they get 
a very small amount of rice. Um, and then everything else that they eat, they earn in rewards. Um, and so the first, the first challenge was, um, pancake mix, which wasn't a lot of pancake mix. Um, and there were things intentionally left out of the pack given to make it more challenging <laughs> and ridiculous for them. Um, and then I'm not sure if there's other food rewards coming up or not, but I know we did in the first season, we did a couple of random little tiny snacks, um, uh, as far as like other supplies, they only have what they bring with them. Um, and one of the things that we do have them bring is a sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're under the impression that production is going to keep it unless we're worried about the temperature that night. Um, okay. and both, both seasons we have given them their sleeping bags. And in season one, they woke up with frost and ice on them Oh wow! every morning. <laughs> so it was a good choice that we made and just wanting to make sure that everybody's safe, obviously. Um, and that's why we give them a little bit of rice to keep them going and so that we don't have any issues. <laughs> right. I'm sure they everyone has to, like, sign a, like, I'm not going to sue Liza if I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Craig, how about you? Um, what do you what do you miss when you're playing? What is, like... Besides bubbly water. Right, besides bubbly water. And what, I'm really curious, since you've played multiple iterations, what has been the best reward? I know we're totally not talking about the, epi- the episode right now. I'm bouncing back and forth, but I'm, I'm really curious. What has been the best thing you've won as a player? And Liza, to you too. So I played in a survivor called Survivor Pirate Booty Camp. <laughs> and this was, it was a really fun series. And someday I, I hope to kind of just like take it over and just like make it happen for one more season just for fun. But we got a trip to Taco Bell. We literally got to get in a car. Now, what you don't realize, the Taco Bell was hell. That is not something you should eat as a reward, people. Yeah. Do not do it. If they bring you Taco Bell, do not touch it. That gordita <laughs> looks delicious. Do not touch it. But anyways. <laughs> going to the bathroom in the woods will not be worth it. <laughs> oh, oh, that's another one. I got to go to the bathroom inside. There was water, so I was like, oh. but the most amazing thing was when we got in the car, air conditioning. Because this oh. was brutal summer. We'd been outside for six days. And it was we were just, like, done. And so this was, like, <laughs> I'm sure Taco Bell had a mess because that bathroom was water everywhere. We were trying to, like, European shower in there, you know? Oh, yeah. So that's probably my favorite food reward, in a way. <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite reward. Um, typically, my tribe doesn't do very well. Um, and I know we started off in Durham, um, the walk-in. You are you and your group are doing little challenges to earn tokens. And then when you meet everybody, um, you spend the tokens, and then you get split up into new, new groups. Um, so my team had gotten enough for everything that we needed, um, and then I ended up on the tribe with nothing. So um, I think that that's typical of my survivor past is that there's not a lot, lot of rewards or at least memorable ones. <laughs> well, okay. hopefully that's going to be coming up. I have one more to share if that's okay. Oh, please. No. Nope. Cap yet, one, Kirk. The person, guys. Oh. What's my reward? So, and it's indirect. This is the craziest thing. So this was also pirate booty camp. Um, <laughs> Same season? Um, uh, what is it? 
No, this was season one. The, the thing I just talked about was season two. So in this season, oh my gosh. So we're at the auction. We had a survivor auction. I'll tell you, if you get to play a survivor auction, that is one of the things to just like, everybody should do it. It's so much fun. It's, it's, where it's almost like your enemies are, you're okay with your enemies. It's just like, let's have some fun and buy food. But, so we're, we're there for like 45 minutes. It's the end of the auction. All I got was a lousy clue. And then, Lo and behold, they say, and our last prize is coming out and out walks out from Survivor Micronesia, Kathy freaking Fleckman. Oh. <laughs> Cut off her finger. And of course, Kathy's well known as well, Durham Warrior Survival Challenge. She's been she's been going to these forever. So, anyways, the prize was you win Kathy Sleckman. Now, I know when Survivor first came out, nobody would have ever thought Kathy Sleckman would have been a prize. She ended up becoming my prize. My partner was in the game. We were the only two, like, blood versus water, like, blood relation in the game. It didn't last too much longer for him, but he won <laughs> Kathy Sleckman, and I'm literally bawling my eyes out because I have never met a Survivor, and I've been doing this shit, I don't know if I can for oh. 10 years. We swear all the fucking time, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> There's Kathy Sleckman, a real-life survivor, and I'm playing this little, like, Yahoo game in the woods of Wisconsin, and, and there she is, and she goes, she taught me the most important things. I still say, what would Kathy do? When I play Survivor, what would Kathy do? She taught me that production is the third team, mm. and that you need to play production as much as possible, Ooh, um, okay. and, and she said it includes stealing from them, so she she gave me a bag of chips and I ran with that bag of chips to my tribe and, and spread it. She, she said to me, go make friends. You need friends. There you go. <laughs> and, um, you know, she also ended up giving me a clue, a clue that actually helped me look where I don't. So, I mean, that was one of the coolest experiences. And this is not the only time that a survivor has come to an event. We see this so many times that they love to meet their fans face to face doing what they love to do too. Oh, for sure. I I could only imagine. And I know, Liza, you mentioned earlier that it was your first Survivor meeting as an adult. Have you met other, like, on TV Survivors? And what have those experiences been like? Yeah, when I was, like, nine, I met Zoe. She's also from Maine. Um, I actually just found the picture today. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Love it. So this is nine-year-old me and oh. Zoe. She had like a meet and greet awesome. in my hometown. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, yeah, so this is the first survivor I ever met. Um, and then, then Dan Foley when I turned 21. Love it. Awesome. That's and then fantastic. I met a bunch of uh, playing in other games too. Right. We're saying to Kirk before he came on that we're both a little starstruck, the <laughs> host and creator and a player and host. And it's crazy to watch you guys and then be to have so much interaction as well. It, it really feels like talking yeah. to someone who's on the CBS Survivor. Absolutely. So diving back in, I find it really funny. So the Red Tribe is listing like all of their layers of connection and I'm just like sitting there writing notes. I'm like, who who the hell are they leaving out of this? Because they're listing literally everyone except for Michael and Jasmine. And so it's like when you build these multi-tiered 
groups of alliances and people have differing opinions about who's the tightest group both as a player and i mean it makes for great production i'm sure to like watch all this like side conversation and backstabbing and like i'm telling you one thing and then somebody else and then i'm gonna go tell them behind your back um but how does how long do you feel like those larger groups really stick together um particularly if they tend to make it to emerge i've noticed that there's like the two trains of thought right the like stick together get rid of everybody else and then we'll do the infighting or the like as soon as new people are introduced you're going to get rid of the people that you don't think you can beat in your group and keep going um how do you think that this group on the red tribe i am so bad with tribe names a uh, skitter. Skitter. Yep. I go with colors because I'm a <laughs> primary teacher. It's great. <laughs> so uh, the skitter tribe, how, how do you think that they're going to do with weeding out more people than just the two people that are not in this, you know, group of six plus forest because they think they can keep him along and he isn't too annoying yet. So <laughs> how, how long do you I think that they I can keep going? Question. Oh, how long do you think that um, specifically the Skitter tribe is going to be able to keep this group together? And how, you know, I asked too many complicated questions. How long do you think they're going to be able to keep this Skitter group together? Do you think it's going to last a little bit? I know you know, but like as a viewer. I, like host <laughs> Yes. I feel like I can take this off of Eliza for a hot second if you don't want to. <laughs> Thanks, Kirk. <laughs> Pure speculation, guys. I, we, we've seen him lose two challenges. Mm -hmm. um, that's been super concerning. And I feel like that's, it depends on how big, you're, you're right about this. It's how big is this alliance? Is it actually two or three smaller overlapping groups? Because those I think they can easily maintain going further, but if this Red Tribe continues to perform the way they're performing, <laughs> and it's one larger group, they're already going to have to backstab each other, and that is not going to set up necessarily a good swap or merge for the Slizzard, Skizzard, Scuttered. <laughs> Slizzard, <laughs> Skitter. <laughs> so, did I say Slizzard? Yes. <laughs> I'm currently not Slizzard, by the way. Anyway, that was um, earlier in the week. No. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know what really stuck out to me is maybe kind of a highlight that explains that fact. Like Toby, when he said, when he realizes in a confessional that people had played the game before, and his voice literally cracks when he says, played yes. the game before? Like, like gold? He feels and betrayed. Like, oh, yeah. oh, yes, Toby. And Katie, you think, is somewhere, I think, on your side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> This concerns me if they keep losing is that those little thoughts going to keep rumbling through Toby's head. Now, because Toby now knows that Katie played, but it was Michael who kind of like, oh, yeah, we played before. Yeah, and we played she, this game last time we were playing. And she was pretty like, oh, man, you just like totally fucked me over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I... I Neither Toby or Katie are in my in my group who I think will win or want to win. <laughs> so I'm wondering if that corrosion 
particularly with like Michael being on the outs and then, you know, I, I see that kind of eroding that tribe. Hmm. I want to hop into immunity. Okay. This was such an intense and like really, really challenging immunity challenge. The three poles where they have to shimmy across because none of them are going to walk across these. Let's be honest. Everyone sucks at balance. Um, (laughs) So like shimmying across a couple of them run, a couple of them make it as a run. Um, But then like recognizing, Oh, I got to lay down and untie this ball. And then, and then that um, move into the four blindfolded people holding up this board with all of these holes, I was amazed to see how many holes were in this board. Because in my head, I'm like, they're blindfolded and they have, I think, two people guiding them through it. Was it two or one person guiding them through that board? Just one. Just one. Okay. Yeah. It must have been like the people who had done the first relay portion that were kind of just like peeking over. I, it was, I wasn't surprised that they had to take the blindfolds off. <laughs> But it it was so intense to watch. I think it's one of my favorite one of my favorite things when there's that requirement of teamwork, requirement of like physicality in the like balancing and running and grabbing things. And then that that also challenge of like, this is like a giant weird thing that we have to figure out and move our way through. So how did you come up with this challenge? Where did the creation of like this crazy board, did you make these? Did you uh, have someone that you care for make them? I'm, I'm so curious how this challenge came to be. <laughs> he laughs at me all the time. Um, and how, um, how do you, and then how do you make those calls about like, okay, one blindfold off, two blindfolds off. How do you make those calls in production of like, when is the challenge too difficult and no longer going to make, for a good visual or it's going to be too long for the episode. A lot of my challenges just come from like elements of challenges that I want to build. Um, so this obviously started off in that I wanted to build a ball maze. Um, we had done some sort of ball maze in Durham. So it was on my like radar for challenges I want to build. Um, and me and my girlfriend ended up building them in a teeny tiny, super small studio apartment that we had. Um, with like neighbors downstairs and to the sides of us and um so i'm sure they loved it but so yeah we just went to home depot and had them cut everything that we needed and then um cut everything else with handsaws and drilled all in this little apartment um and then the other thing is is that i really wanted to get more balance beams in than we did the first season so we also um had some help driving huge spikes into the the logs and the stumps to build the balance beams um and then ended up putting them together. Um, and then what was the next question? Oh, when do you make those calls as production as to when, like when it's too hard, when you need to make alterations on the fly? Yeah. So it really kind of happens on the spot. Um, challenges that I'm anticipating being too hard or too easy. Um, I come up with optional things to add or take away beforehand. Um, so if I find out, you know, this group is maybe really good at balance, then we'll throw in an extra obstacle for them to complete on top of it. Um, so that nothing's too easy. Um, and then it's really just a quick, like 
glance between myself and my other production members, like just making sure that I'm not like doing it too soon or too late. Um, and just like, yep, yep. Okay. You can go ahead and take one off. Um, yeah, most of it's kind of like that right in the moment, trying to make it not last forever. Um, and it goes on much longer than it does on the video. Of right. Course, too. For so, sure. So, we stood there for a long time watching them try to get the ball made sign with four blindfolds on. <laughs> and then, so did the tribe decide who gets to take off the blindfold? Did you as production decide who the tribe gets to decide that? The tribe decided. Awesome. Okay, nice. Okay, quick question. Totally off topic. Are you or have you ever been an educator, Liza? I listen to the <laughs> podcast. I have just been laughing every time you mention it um, because you're you're just catching up on my cues so quickly. Um, I'm not in formal education, but, but I do work in recreational education. Um, so I run before and after school programs, awesome. summer camp, vacation <laughs> camps. Um, so yeah, you hit it, hit it right on the head. <laughs> I mean, even as you're describing this challenge, you're like scaffolding and I'm like, okay, there needs to be this education connection because I, I mean, if not, there you go. I can, <laughs> let's practice our, I can statements, friends. Yep. <laughs> So ultimately, the blue tribe wins. Red tribe, red tribe sucks again. Yes. Um. And then we we get the situation where Jasmine is asking to go home. She right. Yeah. Is asking to be voted off. In that situation, do you feel done. like immediately your tribe should vote you off at that point just to put you out of your misery and kind of fulfill that wish, or is you it good strategy to keep that person around as they end up doing in this episode? Either uh, Liza or Kurt. You're better off keeping them around. Um, but I do think, too, you then have to think about the future and what is going to happen from keeping that person around. But I think in the case where, like, they were obviously worried about Michael being a threat, um, I think that was a good call. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> Michael, I love you for that. I know you're going to watch this someday. I don't, I don't know. What did they call him specifically? They called him a strategic threat? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm not saying he was a threat. I said they thought he was a threat. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess. Except for that, Becky. Except for Becky. I will throw that out there. Cool. That's right. Yeah, Becky's like, everyone thinks Michael's this big, scary threat, but we should definitely focus on the relationship between Katie and Justin. Mm. I have that in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Becky had such a interesting episode. But, you know, I think in the end, you know, this kind of was, you know, for Becky, she was worried that she would be kind of like standing out a little bit if if Michael is gone earlier. But I could see what you're saying, Liza, because perception is reality. So if they perceive him as a threat because he found that maybe his best bet was to keep it then in the long run, even if some people saw think you had a piece of paper, maybe it was something else. Paul a lie at that point. I don't know. But I, I would kind of say that maybe the MVP of this episode to me could be Katie because mm. I think Mike might have been baggage for her after he revealed that. And maybe this was the best case scenario. The only flip side, because I agree with what Liza said, the only flip side to keeping somebody who's threatening to quit is what if they do quit yeah. right after this. Mm. And then you don't know what production's going to do. I've literally seen games um, 
take out a tribal council and I've seen games where they still go to tribal council. I mean, that's the concern. Mm -hmm. So this is a risk for the red team for, in my opinion, but it yeah, could absolutely. be worth, worth the risk. I also sometimes see that like, Oh, I vocalized that I wanted to go home and you didn't respect it. Now I do want to stay and get all of you fuckers off Which because almost, I mean, that's a hunter hunter situation. And the yeah, Columbia yeah. touches on that a little bit. You know, so <laughs> I have a note here that says that Liza is doing amazing at tribal. So just wanted to vocalize that. Yeah, um, just that the, a, the, <laughs> the worst part is I struggle so hard to like to get them to reveal things. Um, and one thing too that I'm always really sure to do is to off camera remind them that they need, need to talk yes. um, and just, like, give us everything that they can, or else it's gonna be, be shit to watch. Um, so I always am really nervous and anxious and struggling at tribal. So thank you. I love that zoom in on Becky's face when somebody says, did Forrest say something that Becky was he like? He said, uh, we're all like practically a family now. And she just has this skeptical, I don't think so. Look on her face. The tight <laughs> zoom like, on it. Loved it. Mm, not really. <laughs> yeah. I, with that mention of the editing, the, the pacing to this episode is so good. And uh, I'll be lauding the music forever i love the the intro music is so great yeah. every time i i'm sticking with my like trio of survivor plus legends of the hidden temple plus some charlie chaplin uh, yes just keeping <laughs> that trio as like i specifically mentioned it from the first episode when brandon's climbing the pole kirk but that is just like the epitome moment for me that is just fantastic and brings it all together. But it ends up being Michael who's on booted his, off on, on his birthday. Did it, was it well known that it was Michael's birthday before he was voted off? I, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Did they sing to him as he walked away? I, I was hoping that some like happy birthday song would break out as the torch just like goes out i i was incredibly disappointed there was no like but happy birthday man <laughs> or this really like underplayed like happy birthday to <laughs> and what type of skull is your torch putter outer uh it's a deer well, oh. I was curious I noticed that it was a real skull and that was really really cool and interesting but I'm like okay what kind of skull are we playing with here yeah it's all made out of uh, deer and cow bones awesome that's nice. super awesome yeah well that we, kind of brings us to the yeah, end of the episode we've been loving the season and love all the content on live reality games too and catching you on British Columbia Kirk this has been a blast meeting you guys being able to just like jump in and watch this stuff together i love meeting other people that like to watch these fan-made survivors just as much as international survivor and can get down with talking about it and making fun of ourselves and hoping for the best for some of the players and talking trash about their strategy <laughs> i'm not an asshole in real life i promise i just come off like it when i watch people on tv well you know, <laughs> heat of the moment <laughs> Cody likes to refer to it as our fever dream recordings because yeah we step know. into our closet and uh, <laughs> forget that we're nice people that yes. don't like to be jerks but 
Well, thank you. Yeah, we've loved the the Survivor community that we found and connecting with you guys has been so much fun. Thank you for coming on. Is there anything that you want to plug or touch base on before we head off? Um, Taylor wasn't able to be here, but just another shout out to Taylor, who has spent an unbelievable amount of hours doing all the editing and um, composing for this. And it would not have aired without Taylor's help. So Awesome. Thanks, Taylor. Um, yeah, Taylor, I feel like everybody needs to follow Taylor. I, I, I'm literally Taylor's biggest fan, along with all of the rest of you that are just all about this music. But I think one of the like takeaways from this, for me, is how amazing some of these editors and, and, and the post-production creators, because oh, yeah. I want to call them creators, are. The only thing I'll plug really is at Live Reality Games, we have a viewers group for Surviving Maine. You could... Um, log into the, or not log in, check out the page, join the group. And if you like the page, maybe follow us too. You can find us on YouTube as well. And yeah, we'll be watching along tomorrow. Can't wait for that. Um, Super excited to be live and in the comments as things are going. And then we can't wait to hang out with you tomorrow evening. That's right. We're going to talk over people. It's, 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 but yes. What you're you, hearing now, you'll hear it later. Right. I mean, tomorrow is today for you people <laughs> living in the future. It's fine. Yeah. Just. So we, we just got out of a DeLorean, so we're doing a little time traveling. But tomorrow, <laughs> you can see us all chatting about this episode. We're going to rewatch it and we'll be with you guys in the comments so yeah if you guys have questions that we haven't addressed make sure you send them our way though i will say i'm slightly more partial to being in the tardis but we can talk about that kirk (laughs) time travel method of your choice (laughs) doctor who over um back to the future thank you all the time (laughs) for sure